Outlaw Studios of Inside My Canoe Head. This week we are going to talk about government disaster communications. What the heck are they saying? What are they trying to do? Where are they saying it? And why does this matter to you? So sit back, grab yourself a beverage. Let's get at her. The government is always talking. I know, I know, I know. A lot of times they're saying a whole bunch and they're not actually accomplishing anything. And at times emergency management communications are no different. But today think it's really important to understand that space, that communications, that information space as it exists today. Thanks, everybody, for continuing to listen to the episodes. Um, your information, your advice is very much appreciated. Good, bad, or indifferent. Um, you know, every once in a while when you, when you do this for as long as I have for a couple of years, you get a couple of runs of episodes where you think – these are these are good. This is what people are looking for. And you put a lot of effort into them. And guess what? Nobody's downloading. And, and that's perfectly fine. Everybody's busy. You're off doing whatever. But it, it's really funny sometimes how, uh, you know, life's busy. So every once in a while, I'll slap something together just to fill the airwaves. Just because, I you know, I think this is really important, et cetera. Let's put it out there. Let's get her done. And she rockets. And I'm like, wow, you know, that's a huge amount of downloads. I'm impressed. And then you'll spend three weeks doing some research, looking at different articles, putting together an argument, uh, putting it out there. And 12 downloads will happen, like 12. That's it. And you know eight of them are family members who automatically subscribe, right? So you're like, hmm. And then you start messing around with uh, titles, how you title the episode. Does that influence the number of downloads? Anyhow, it's a lot of fun. Um, but out there, you know, a lot of us get communications, right? If you're like me, you gr you grimace when you get the screen time report that shows up from whatever smartphone you have or computer telling you how much you stare at the box. But welcome to the 21st century, the age, the digital age. That's where the information is. So today I thought it'd be really important to talk about little simple things like, do you know what your government intends to do when the shizzy hits the fizzy? How are you going to gather information? Where are you going to go? And now the corollary to that is, where is your government going to be? And what is your government going to be trying to tell you? So we're going to divide this into two separate areas. First, pre-event and then during event. So before the event, what is your government doing? Well, my lifelong research in this field, well over a decade now, uh, is concentrated on a public sector, resident-facing emergency preparedness communication. So this is all I do. This is all I research. This is pretty much the entire focus of the research firm where I work. And so when you think about it, they give out, number one, preparedness recommendations. So based upon their own research, based upon their own consulting, based upon their own knowledge, skills, etc., most public sectors, they've all developed a message. And, and if you look across uh, different levels of government and different countries, that message right now is centered on three basic messages that's common across the board. One is to have an emergency kit. Two is to have an evacuation plan. 
and three is to understand and be informed, know the hazards that exist around where you live. And they're all in the same type of genre. Some emphasize more than others. Some are a little bit more nuanced. Some are more direct. But it's basically they're giving you general ideas of what they think based upon a myriad of things you should be concentrated on in order to make yourself better prepared to navigate the significant disruptions that may occur. The shizzy hits the fizzy, whatever you want to call it, right? This is what they're telling you, and it's common across the board. What do they want you to do? That's not well communicated. And you'd say, well, that's just what you said. But no, what they want you to do is to be able to take care of you and the ones that you are responsible for for a period of time post the initiation of an event because in the in an immediacy following an event the public sector is not going to be available for your calls for assistance they're not going to be able to come pull you out of the rubble of a collapsed building in an earthquake or save you from a flood those things are going to happen, but they're going to happen in days, potentially up to a week post-event, uh, depending on the severity and the complexity of the event. So what the preparedness messaging is designed to do is to increase preparedness behavior. So what the government is trying to do is give you some ideas that in and of themselves are likely not to make you any more prepared. But what they are designed to do is to have you up take more of the responsibility for the immediate response and the responsibility for your outcomes, because the state is fully aware that they're not going to be able to say very many, if anybody, when the shizzy hits the fizzy for the first, you know, couple of days. I mean, 72 hours is tossed around, but realistically, we're probably talking closer to a week in a major event. I mean, unless you happen to live next to a fire station or a parked ambulance, nobody's coming to help you for that period of time. They can't send that message. Now, honesty and integrity, we love, we think it's important, but that doesn't get you reelected and it doesn't impose confidence or instill confidence in the population. If your emergency preparedness message from the government was, we have little to no capacity to help you in the first week. You're on your own. You can call 911 till your heart desires. There's nobody at the other end. And even if somebody does answer, there's nobody they can send out to help you. You're on your own. Sorry about that. Not much we can do. Here's a bunch of things that we think you should do that are going to make your chances of surviving greater. That's the honesty and the bottom line below it. But that's not the message because, well, just talk to your local communications officer and, <laughs> and they'll give you a long theoretical framework discussion as to why that's probably not likely going to instill confidence and get people to start changing their behaviors. So most municipalities will have a plan. We'll have a contingency plan, a tabletop plan, or something on the books as to how they intend to react to a certain thing, especially if they live in municipality as a significant flood zone. It lives in an earthquake zone. They're probably going to have a very 
you know, a significant hazard plan to deal with the framework of how they're going to respond in a significant event, right? So is that public? Actually, in, in most times, it's not. It's very difficult for a member of the public to say, hey, listen, I'm interested in knowing step by step exactly how you intend to respond to an earthquake in my town since we live near a fault. Right. I just don't want to know that you will activate the EOC, blah, blah, blah. I want to know step by step your internal plans. Those are largely not public to this day. I don't understand why the difficulty is, is because it largely uh, commits them to something that they may change their mind. I, I don't know. I have yet to have somebody explain the logic to me while the detailed, intricate uh, plans are not public in the municipality. It's not like you're conducting warfare on somebody and you have a national secret to keep. But if you don't inform the public, if I'm John Q or Joe Q or Diane Q or Muhammad Q public, and I can't find out what the heck my government intends to do when the shizzy hits the fizzy, specific to the risks that are faced by my municipality, that does not increase the confidence I have in my municipality's ability to address what is likely to occur where I live, right? Nice, beautiful promises and glossy little ads that say, we got you, we'll initiate, well-rehearsed and well-staffed EOC, we'll activate the EOC, we'll turn on all those cool screens up front, everybody will put on their color-coded vests and we'll take care of it, does not instill confidence in people when what they really want to know is, what do you intend to do specifically in the area? And then the most important part about this is how do you intend to talk to people and how do the people intend to listen? Those are two distinctive things. And some of my deep research that's ongoing uh, from 2021, really, and I'm launching another um, another study is being launched in the summer on social media. I mean, this is where we are. This is the new public square. This is where we gather to mostly unpolitely, but sometimes politely discuss the issues of the day and to pass on information. Now, whether you are a fan of Twitter, Facebook, WhatsApp, or some other online platform, online is where people go to get their information for the majority. Not everybody. Radio still has a strong presence uh, in certain parts of the community to go to. So people have the their preferred place to go and governments have their preferred place to issue a message. Those, my friends, are not the same. Some of the work that I've done in rural Ontario has shown that those are not the same. You have uh, municipal emergency preparedness folks and regional who are going to issue messages on the radio, they're going to issue messages on their website and potentially to a Facebook page when everybody is sitting over on Twitter or everybody is sitting over on the Facebook um, marketplace for the area. Uh, just there's there, there's a significant disconnect between where the government intends to issue the immediate the shizzy has hits the fizzy, the communications message 
this is where we're going to talk to you when the bad day happens to where people are going to get their information when the bad day happens. And because the two are not actually talking to each other, they both have, they both have the best of intentions, but because they're not meeting in the center, you have a great message from the government going out and hitting a scant tiny percentage of the population and the population over somewhere else, not hearing anything from the government and then tuning them out. You know, there's no real figure, but most research points to somewhere between you have 10 to 15 minutes to become relevant, right? Think of the speed of government. If I, I've worked in the government for decades, think of speed of government. You have 10 to 15 mis- minutes when an issue pops for you to get the message out on social media or you are irrelevant. Nobody is going to look to you anymore. Even if you are the official government source, you have to build that communications relationship prior to the event, right? You have to establish where I want my population that I serve to go for information, right? So where I live in Ontario, they have a great radio program. There are radio stations in each area covering all of the province who are deemed to be the emergency management voice. They have, they are the station of choice and they will broadcast immediate messages from the different levels of government to their listeners, right? If you want to know this information and as a member of the population, it is something you should know. You can find out that information. You can find out what radio station to tune in to get the latest information, right? Now, most of us are going to be out and about on our smartphones. Not everybody has a smartphone app for radio. Uh, now that they've turned off or discontinued the, what, three cent piece that for the FM antenna that used to go into it so that they can make you pay through an app. But don't get me started on that. Um, most of us get all consume all of our information and our conversation and our discourse on social media. So where is the emergency management or the political or the uh, municipal voice, subnational voice on social media. Where are they? Where are they intending to send their messages when the shizzy hits the fizzy? And where are you going to go to get important information? So who do you trust, right? When something, and, and unfortunately, through a whole bunch series of unfortunate events as the movie goes, um, throughout the pandemic, we have lost a lot of trust in institutions and voices and media. And what I mean, corporate media, independent media, um, public health institutions, government institutions and different voices. Uh, I've had a tough time maintaining the trust of the population for a myriad of reasons. That is, that is the positive. That is the world we live in. So each individual is going to have a trusted voice that they turn to when they need to get access to important emergency disaster related information. What is that information? For a lot of people, that's going to be a trusted source within your community. That's going to be a faith group. It's going to be a chat group. It's going to be a community group. It's going to be the city of Ottawa where I live, their Twitter feed. 
their emergency management feed, their fire department feed, their police feed, their EMS feed. And this is one of the problems we have. And I've been working with municipalities and we've tried to champion the idea of distinct branding of an emergency management handle on Twitter, on Facebook, online, whatever it may be, because I'll give you a prime example here in the city of Ottawa, when we had tornadoes go through, I think it was 2017, 2018, I can't remember the exact year. Um, and we had significant damage and significant um, injuries in Ottawa from this. The information was spewing out on everybody's Twitter feed. The problem was, is it wasn't the same. Now, it's not that information was causing people to do dumb things, but that when the police, fire, city, and uh, EMS are all telling you something slightly different as to what's going on and what to do, it becomes confusing. It was clear that nobody was in charge of the public-facing message. Everybody was doing the best they could, but nobody was coordinating it. So you had a whole bunch of spasmatic tweeting going on about an incident, a significant incident underway in the city of a million people. Everybody was different enough that they were confusing and therefore it was uncoordinated. Now, if you're a public communicator, hopefully you learn from that and you're not going to execute that. And your plan is not to let fire do fire, police do police, etc. You're going to have some type of uniform message across some channel would be great. I could sit here and quote literature for hours to tell you why that's a great idea. The point is you pick one. The second part is, is you've got to make sure everybody you want to talk to actually understands that that's where you're going to go. It's about building that relationship, right? Hey, listen, my research shows me that I'm a huge fan of Twitter and Twitter's the best place to be. We can disagree with that all the time. Happy to do that. No problem. Jump into the comments, send me an email, talk to me about why you think Twitter is or is not. I love it. If Twitter's the best place to go, if you have a branded emergency management and you have a city of a million people, you need to be getting 10, 15, 20,000 followers to your Twitter handle and you need to be figuring out ways to do that and build that trust, right? So people trust, follow, interact with and build a relationship with Ottawa City Emergency Management Twitter handle so that when the shizzy hits the fizzy, when the bad day happens, people will be comfortable and trustworthy to go to you, to turn on your Twitter feed, to find out what's going on and what you want them to do as a city emergency manager. Don't think for a second simply because you have a cool, a cool, cute little title. You're the emergency management coordinator for the city of Ottawa that anybody will give a hoot in the middle. Your title does not give you any trustworthiness and or any authority. What it does is it says you're in a position. If you want the city and the residents to trust you and to believe what you're doing, you need to build that relationship ahead of time. So both of you get together through a whole bunch of efforts that we talk about here at Inside My Canoe Head. I write blogs on it at preparednesslabs.ca and on insidemycanoehead.ca. Communication is everything. Pre-event preparedness communication is where you make the difference. You don't make the difference in the event. 
you're, you're only talking to people that you've already grabbed a hold of. You're only talking to people who are seeking information, not people who are cut off. All of your good work is done pre-event. You know where they'll be talking. You know they'll be talking. And what do you want them to do? The last part that I want to talk about communication is where do you want them to go if you can't talk to them? And I know that's a weird subject, but think about it. Imagine that we had a disruption that caused the loss of radio and cellular, right? So all of a sudden, for a period of time, it was impossible to do digital or radio wave communications to a population, right? The towers were down, big wind event. We can go through a hundred different run. Remember disaster impact reduction. We're not really that concerned as to why it happened, but you can't communicate. Where do you want people to go for information? And this is a project that really started a lot of work that was done in the Caribbean under a UN grant and a European grant under a safe schools program. And the idea behind this was pretty simple in that the Caribbean gets smacked by hurricanes all the time and significant disruption and loss of life and loss of habitat. There is no money and there is no construction materials to make every single building in a village, every home and every structure hurricane resistant. They just don't have the money and, and it's illogical and improbable to do that. So what they've done is they've realized that in smaller remote villages, especially they should invest in what called the safe school program where we are going to build a hardened school, one building in the village that is capable of withstanding a direct hit from a hurricane, from a category five major hurricane and survive out the other end. We're going to build one building. It's going to be our community center, our school. We're going to pack what little community emergency supplies we have are going to be pre-positioned in sea containers on site next and drilled into the ground. So basically, while everything in the community may be flattened, everybody knows where to go. Everybody knows that this is where we will be. So in my little community, the city of Ottawa has told everybody they haven't, they haven't told us anything about this, but imagine if they had told us that this is the physical location by each one of these postal codes. This is the physical location closest to you where, when the city of Ottawa gets to the point where they're able to put up physical contact and communication points to talk to a human being to start rescue coordination, this is the place we'll be. We're not going to roam around to homes. We don't, we don't have the people or the time to do that. And then that would be ridiculous. Anyhow, the city's going to go to a community center. They're going to open up the front doors and they're going to say, hi, here I am. This is where you can start accessing services and goods if necessary, distribution points for fresh water, whatever it is. If you create this idea and plan ahead of time, the community knows you don't have to try to get the message out to people post event that I want you to associate. You know, the idea of I'm setting up an evacuation center here. Well, why are you trying to communicate that to people after the event? Why didn't you tell them ahead of time that if this happens, come to the 
community center, right? Come to the local school, come to the gymnasium. This is where we're going to be setting up a community center and a response and a shelter is going to be here. The idea that you're going to try to communicate a shelter location after the event has happened. Listen, go push a rope uphill all day if that's what you like to do, but you're just making your life so incredibly difficult. So think of it from the perspective of you, the listener, the individual living in your awesome, incredible place where you live, what you want to know from the government, how they're going to respond, how they're going to, where they're going to talk. And if you can't talk to anybody, where they're going to be so you can go see a human to figure out what is your options coming after the event. And think yourself from the public. Remember, it's about trust. The population will only listen to people they trust, not people with fancy titles. So build that trust pre-event, build your communication lines pre-event, build your communications with your intended audience across your mediums of choice pre-event, have your locations figured out where you're going to meet them and distribute food, water, shelter pre-event And then you just have to execute because the people already know what's going on. Remember, communication is key. You've got 10 to 15 minutes to be relevant. Tell them what you know. Tell them what you don't know. And be honest, upfront, and continue to communicate. Don't go silent. Make sure you're a voice out there in the air people appreciate it. So I love your comments on this. I love your thoughts on using Twitter for emergency management. Uh, I'm a massive, huge fan, and I'm doing far more research on it this fall to look at ways as to whether I think it is a great tool. Let's see if the evidence shows that in the province of Ontario and around the country. So thank you very much for taking the time to listen to us at Inside My Canoe Head. Please, If you've got a subject that you think would be worthy of having a conversation about or you just want your idea on air, send me an email at jeff at preparednesslabs.ca. Drop over to our socials at insidemycanoehead.ca. Or if you're looking for some formal business ideas and you want to spend a little bit of money, uh, drop over to preparednesslabs.ca. And if, in the end, all of this, you just want to buy me a coffee, uh, the link's on insidemycanoehead.ca. Go over there, drop my five bucks, buy myself a coffee. I'd appreciate it. Take care, stay safe, enjoy your day as we get ready here in the city of Ottawa for another 25 centimeter event of snow. God, I love where I live. This is a crazy place. Take care, stay safe, and have yourself an awesome week. (laughs) 